This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. And today is one I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, we have a repeat guest of sorts, and that guest is me. Uh, once or twice a year, I share my thoughts with the listener base, and it's mind-boggling to me how big the podcast has become. Uh, we've we've grown where we have this worldwide coverage and and about 50,000 downloads a month and and the feedback I get has been crazy. Uh, we've off to a fast start with with awesome episodes and conversations from Amber Dibert where we talked about uh, imposter syndrome and, and a, a few other important things. Uh, Jason Baskram where he, he brought to the table being the anti-boss. Uh, so many people reached out to me on that one. But last year about this time, I shared some of the key points from some of the keynotes that I was giving to do SKOs. This year I've done more SKOs than I'll ever do. By the time I hit March, I will have done 18 SKOs. I started in December. Um, I had nine of them in the books before uh, Christmas time. And I'm starting again next week. I've got a couple next week, and I go every single week with, with multiple SKOs until I hit March. Now, one of the things I do when I do an SKO is I don't, I'm different than a lot of SKO speakers. I, I, I don't have my speech, and then I get up and give it. I work closely with the CROs and the VPs of sales that I work with, and I do a very tailored, very custom uh, experience for each sales team. Now, the theme this year is very, very similar across the board, uh, but the details are different in every case. The theme this year is about making it the year of the upgrade. And I look at it as the year 2023 like it's a software company. I've run a couple software companies, and we all use software, and we've all seen what happens when we have software updates. 
like it's like 10.5 or 16.3 or whatever. Uh, I look at the year 2023 as 20.23. It's that year 2000s, that 21st century, but it's the 23rd release of the year 2000. So it's 20.23. You got to write that down, 20.23. What do I do in this release to make it better? Because a software program doesn't throw away all of its code. And then when they have a new release, it's completely different. In fact, if it's too different, people don't like it. Um, now, we're going to talk a lot about growth. We're going to talk a lot about, about how we make this a year of upgrade. And this is not going to be the exact same as one of my, my, my SKO keynotes. But I am going to take some common themes and I'm going to share some thoughts to you because we got a large listener base, and I hope that you're looking at this year as I release this in January. Some of you will have uh, fiscal years that end January 31st. Others of you have fiscal years that have already started uh, in January. Some of you are halfway through. I, I work with some companies that have fiscal years that kick off in September. Doesn't matter. Here's what I know. We're going into a year that's going to be different. I, I, know, I don't know how different it's going to be, but every year it's a different year. We face different changes. Um, and, and as leaders, if we haven't been updating how we lead, we're going to fall behind fast. Now, one of the reasons that I'm, I'm really excited to bring this to you is I see a lot of people that kind of hold on to the way they've been doing things. An example of this is activity management. I feel like people are doubling down on activity management as we go into this year where it looks like the economies might be challenging. It looks like in some sectors, the layoffs are going to continue. I work with people in tech. I work with people in finance. I work with people in manufacturing and industrial, do some work with professional services. I have the benefit of working with organizations, A, all around the world, and B, in a number of different industries. You'd be surprised how similar the sales leadership challenges are. Uh, we, we often think that things are so different. They're really not. And so today what I want to talk about is how do we apply the upgrade uh, concept? A software company makes a few upgrades that makes for a much better customer experience. And it builds off the things that are great and it adds things that make where you have a small change that makes a large disproportionate impact. And that's what world we live in in sales. In sales, we're in a winner-takes-all world. We don't have to be 100% better than our competitors to get 100% of the revenue. If we are less than 1% better than our competitors in the minds of our customers, we get 100% of the revenue. Now, the reason this is important is product superiority rarely is the reason for choosing a company. Product superiority is usually at best the third best reason, the third most important reason why they buy. Um, there, there's other things that are far more predictable and meaningful that will help you win more business. So today I want to talk about how we make those upgrades. Because it's not as simple as just being like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz and clicking our heels and saying, take me to the future, take me to that next place, like there's no place like home. Nah, it's going to take effort. It's going to take work because we know in 2023, we're going to have to grow. Some of you are even still waiting for your growth numbers. Others of you have already started on them. A couple of my clients that I work with, one of them doesn't even wait for the goals from the company. They make their own objectives with their sales team. And if the goal from the company comes in bigger than what they're chasing, they adjust. But most of the time they push themselves harder than the company will push them. But I want to think about that concept of the dog sled team. There's a lot of people who have said it, they say that life's like a dog sled team, that, that if you ain't the lead dog, the scenery never changes. I've seen lots of people use that. 
I want you this year to make sure that we make the upgrades that keep you in front because what I don't want is you being a dog in the middle of the pack where the scenery never changes and, and we're looking at the, the backside of one of the other dogs. And so we want to be in front where we are leading and, and it's easier to get in front than it is to stay in front. So for those of you that are market leaders, this upgrade message is going to be important. For those of you that are chasing to be market leaders, this upgrade message is also going to be important. And upgrades don't have to be scary. Upgrades don't have to be something that says that we're not doing good enough in, in what we're doing. Um, upgrades often are simple. Uh, there's a comic that I like a lot where it shows a guy at a cell phone store or a mobile phone store, and he says to the salesperson, I'd never pay $5,000 for a phone. And the salesperson kind of puts his hands up and says, hey, a 5G phone doesn't mean it costs five grand. Sometimes we have a perspective that needs to change. So today I want to share a few perspectives that might be helpful to you. Four places that you can make a few upgrades, four places that you can do things in a way that's gonna make it so how you engage is more important than what you engage them with. Four things that will make you cast a longer shadow, four things that will make you uh, look differently to those that you that you compete with. And I'm gonna build off what some of my last year's SKO were. Last year, a lot of you reached out to me saying thanks. Um, it, I, I'm excited to share this with you. I'm going to build off what was last. First thing I want to do is say the first upgrade we got to do is we got to upgrade our operating system. The operating system, it, what I'm talking about is your mindset. I want to talk about when I upgraded my phone this year. I, I was one of the people that upgraded my iPhone to iPhone 14. And when I got it sent to me, um, I was excited. It was I, I'm usually two phones behind. And this time I said, oh, I'll get the iPhone 14. That my, my provider made it easy for me. They gave me a great deal. Um, and I started to do, turn it on and, and get ready to, to port all my data over from my old phone to the new phone. And so I updated my Apple ID, put it in the cloud, turned it on, did the hello, chose English, had it look at my face, set up the Hey Siri, did all that stuff. And it got to the place where it said, are you going to have this be a new phone or are you bringing data over from a previous phone? And I said, I'm bringing data over. And it said, okay. Uh, update your information and then let us know when you're ready to go. Put the phones right next to each other and push transfer. I did that. I pushed transfer and I immediately got my first error and it said, you must update your iOS to 16 dot something. Okay. And I, at first I was like, what? This is the most powerful phone you've ever made. And it's coming to me two OSs behind. And, and, it wasn't hard to upgrade it or update it, but I needed to update it. In order to do the data transfer that needed to be done, I had to update the operating system first. And so that's the first lesson that I want you to think about. Last year when we did an SKO, we talked about mindset. We talked about IMs in particular. We gave you a tool on your IMs. Write down your IMs, IMX, IMX. You know, I can have negative or positive ones. I am entering a hard year or it's I'm gonna, I am gonna have the best year I've ever had. Those are the those are the things that we're talking about with IMs, and what I really want you to do is to a start with those again. You don't want to go into 2023 with a 2019 operating system. I picked 2019 because I still have some people hoping that it'll go back to the way it was before COVID. 
But we also can't do it with a 2020 operating system or a 2021 operating system or a 2022 even operating system. I don't care how good last year was. We're going into next year. We're going to need a new operating system. And it starts with your IM. So I'm not going to go back on that. Um, what I am going to do is add to that. And, and I want to start with the story of Lou Alcindor. And for those of you who are basketball fans, you probably know who Lou Alcindor is. Uh, he's more commonly known by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And when he went to the NBA, I'm sorry, when he went to college, he went to college at UCLA, played for the legendary coach, John Wooden. They had a run where they did something that had never been done. They won more games in a row than anybody else, multiple national championships, multiple years in a row without a loss. His his idol was a player named Wilt Chamberlain. And for those of you who know Wilt, he was known for his uh, prolific ability to score both, uh, both on and off the court. And Kareem wanted to play like Wilt. And he was a seven foot two. He was a physical phenom, and he dunked like crazy. Well, the NBA, not the NBA, the UC, the the NCAA, excuse me, I'll say it again. The NCAA made it illegal to dunk because they thought it was unfair for guys like Kareem to be able to dunk on the common basketball player as easily as they did. So it may surprise a lot of you, but they made it illegal to have a dunk in an NCAA game. Kareem was frustrated. Uh, he felt like he lost his primary scoring weapon. He thought there was a lot of reasons that went to that. He was ready to take his ball and go home. And the NBA had a rule that you had to wait a certain number of years from high school before you could go to the, to the pros. And he was just like, I'm just going to go pro. I'll just wait and go pro later. Well, the good news for him is he had a coach that said, no, just because you can't dunk doesn't mean you're still not the greatest center of our era. So let's develop a new shot. And if you remember what Kareem was known for as a professional basketball player for the Bucks and the Lakers, he had a shot called the Skyhook, and he perfected that in college because he was no longer able to dunk. And what was interesting about that is when he went to the NBA, he was able to match up against his idol, Wilt Chamberlain. He was able to, to have amazing games against him, even though he wouldn't have been able to just dunk on Wilt Chamberlain's head. He skyhooked him like crazy and had a shot that was unblockable. And it's a hook shot where you keep your guy pinned to the inside between you and the basket. And, and he used his long length and, uh, and he did this hook shot where he would flick his wrist over the outreached hands. And I want you to think about Wilt Chamberlain also being 7'2", jumping just as high. His feet are as high. His head is as high. His hand is as high. But he can't stop the shot because Kareem upgraded his skills. And by choosing to upgrade the skill set and his way that he scored, he upgraded his career. And so not only did it make it so young Kareem could compete against people like Wilt, it also made it so he could become old Kareem and he could have a long career in the NBA. And he said many times that if he didn't have to learn that sky hook, he most certainly wouldn't have become the all-time leading scoring leader in NBA history. He, who knows if he'd have been, in, uh, if he'd have won the championships that he won, who knows if he'd be in the hall of fame, who knows those things, but he most certainly wouldn't have been able to play as long. He most certainly wouldn't have scored as many points and he attributes it to making the upgrade in how he scores. So going into this year, you've got to be able to help your team build mindsets. Lots of people talk about mindsets, the triple helix, the three areas that lead to your leadership DNA is mindset, skill set, and performance. Most leaders are really performance-oriented. There's nothing wrong with that, but the elite ones look at performance different. There's at least 12 systems we need to have on our skill sets, 12 leadership skills that we want to have in order to win. 
very few of us are trained how to do mindset work. I spend a lot of money on a mindset coach. It's one of the most important investments I make. Um, we can't just be a cheerleader with pom-poms. We can't just be someone like Roy Schneider and the water boy saying, you can do it. We don't want to be the person that's standing up saying, if you believe it, you can achieve it. We don't want that. So I'm going to give you another tool. Last time I gave you the IMs. I want you to go back to IMs. It's important that your team has IMs. Every team I worked with last year that did IM work had amazing things happen as a result. I want you to remember that the first rule in creating that positive energy to approach a year uh, is you have to cultivate that positive energy. You have to cultivate it. You don't, if you want to have strong mindsets, you must. It, it, it operates off of energy. So rule one is you got to cultivate positive energy. You got to choose what am I planting. And when I work with coaches, when I work with sales leaders on becoming elite coaches, there are three levels of elite coaching. Okay, and it's all psychology based. The rookies are only talking about outcomes and they're doing activity management. I am seeing more activity management than ever before. And to you that are activity managers, mostly I see it in um, inside sales teams. And I'll say the year 2012 2000 to 2015 called and they want their groundbreaking strategy back. Okay, It's old news. Um, if you have a team that's built an operating rhythm, you're not going to have 10%, 20%, 30%, whatever percent growth by asking them to work 10%, 20%, 30% harder. And that's what activity management does. That is not a recipe for success. That is a recipe for burnout. Now, we do need to have some activity management in our bag of tricks. But to go to have a high-performing team uh, that already has a rhythm, okay? And so I want to make sure that what you're saying it, to your team is, how do we move to the next level? So Again, rookies are focused on outcomes, so we have results conversations, which we need to have. But the ones that are better, they go to the point where they're looking at habits and patterns, and those are fueled by behaviors, and behaviors only change through willpower most of the time. I put these together, behaviors and habits, and I call this what the average sales leader focuses on. They have conversations around priority management while the rookies are having conversations around activity management. The rookies are celebrating the grind. They're using their magic spreadsheets and they're talking about work ethic all the time. One more call, keep on dialing, okay? I reject that. People that hit average level, they're talking about priorities, they're fighting for discipline, and they're mostly talking about behaviors. You hear these people talk about pattern interrupts all the time. That's better, but that's still not elite, and I'll tell you why. At some point for a human being, willpower will fail each of us. I'm a great example. I recently lost my father. It was extremely hard, harder than I ever thought. And at the end of December, beginning of January, I kind of disappeared for a while. And I had to do it. I'm still recovering. I, I, the people I'm working with tell me I'm going to be recovering for a while. Um, but at some point, we will have willpower fail us. And one of the beliefs that I have, one of the lessons I've learned, is there is no behavior that will change for long periods of time or even permanently for a human being unless a belief changes first. I'm going to say that again. There are no behaviors that will change for long periods of time in a human being unless there is a belief that changes first. So trying to get patterns to change based on willpower is a fleeting effort. It's not going to create sustained success. Listen, I'm a performance coach. This is about performance coaching. Okay, This applies with all kinds of things in your life. That's why the elite leaders, they focus on beliefs. They focus on thoughts. You have thought conversations. We're talking about mindset. We're talking about vision. Why? Because you'll do what you think about. This is where we get into the world of 
being micro aware of the small things that will lead to great success. There's a massive difference between micro awareness and micromanagement. The rookies that are doing activity management, they are in the micromanagement world. The elite leaders who are working on mindset and beliefs, they are having micro awareness. Because we believe this is possible in order for us to make this happen, these are the small things that have to happen. Your fuel now, instead of effort or willpower, becomes desire. And instead of having you know, fleeting days where it's 50-50, who's going to show up? You have this 90-10 consistency or even 95-5, 90% of the time, 95% of the time we're on. Why? Because we have this rocket fuel called desire. And so that's why we want to make sure that we are starting to work on beliefs. So when I speak, I know there's a couple areas that people get really interested in, and I'm about to share one that's a really important one. And this is how do you move your IMs and turn them into realities. So I want you to do four or five IMs. I want you to talk about the IMs. If you don't remember that, we can have you look back to what I shared last year. Um, but it's really simple. I am what? I am going to have the greatest year of my career. Or the negative side, I am working with a team that doesn't get it. I am under-supported. I am being asked to do unreasonable things. I am going to have a hard season, a hard year. Or it's, I am part of the best team there is. I am going to be able to adapt first. I am the sales version of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Even saying it makes your energy feel different. So I want to talk about identity. Your brain thinks in pictures. Okay, when I say pink elephant, I'm going to say it again, pink elephant, you now have an image of a pink elephant in your mind. It doesn't do it in letters and words. Your brain doesn't think that way. So now you got a picture of a pink elephant. It might be a real elephant that's pink. It might be a cartoon elephant that's pink. It might be a plush stuffed animal that's pink. I don't know what it is. Maybe some funky alien elephant. I don't know, but you've got a picture. And you're welcome. It'll be there for a little while. <clears throat> the reason this is important is your brain thinks in pictures. So when we ask you, who am I? Or what are my I am's? I am what? You, you answer those questions in pictures. And if you want to know why people don't have massive transformation, you see three, four, or 5% small changes year in, year out. It's because they're anchored by pictures that come only from their experience. And I, I, uh, I think this is really important. You know, when we ask you from a sales perspective, who are your customers, you're most likely going to tell me the customers that you already have. You probably won't tell me who they're going to be. And so when you're going to say who my identity of who, what's going to define my year, I, I want you to have an image of how many deals are you going to win? I want you to have an image of how much income are you going to bring in? How much of that commission is going to come in? What are you going to do with it? Most of the time, our pictures are where they came from. It reminds me of when I was doing some mindset work with my son. And I asked him, hey, you're driving a car. What car are you driving? He's like, I I'm in my 2012 Honda Civic that I've been driving since high school. And I asked him, is that your dream car? And he laughed and was no. And I asked him what it was. He told me. And we said, yeah. Well, I said, why aren't you driving that? And we didn't have a good answer. And when I have people that call me when they're behind, I get a lot of negative IMs. I am behind. I am in trouble. I, my job is on the line. I hear all those IMs. Those are fueled by pictures of fear. You can only lean into one of two things. You can fear your future or you can, you can fuel your future or you can fuel your fears. And so you got to change those pictures. What are the pictures in your mind of who you are, where you hang out? Where you go on vacation? 
Who are the logos of the customers that you are closing? What are their pictures? They're all Their pictures are all over LinkedIn. Who are the people you hang out with? Who are you going to be going on President's Club with? What are you going to be doing with the income that you've earned? I want you to move those pictures out. You have one of two options. You can either do what most people do and you can take those pictures from your experiences and that means they come from the past. Or you can do what a very few people do and you can take them from a whole new place and that's your future. Okay? So I want you to start thinking the pictures of the companies you work with. I want it to be the logos of those companies. I want it to be the people. I want you to be very specific this year from a growth and a sales perspective. As a leader, it might be the who gets to goal. It, there's a, so many things it could be. You need to be very specific and clear about these new pictures. Your identity is fueled by pictures. I want you to replace pictures from the future, not from the past. Okay, now I want to give you four steps to creating a championship level identity. Number one, you got to create it. It's got to come from your future and not your past. Be specific. The number one way I see people fail here is they have these kind of ideas of it, but they don't turn them into images. My way of doing it is I have created multiple PowerPoints. I started with my mindset coach on physical things. Like what are the physical things you want in life? Because those are the easiest. Then it was, what are the experiences you want to have? He's got me having a hundred physical things, a hundred experiences. We now have seven categories that were very specific with the images in. And my life has turned around. Like the started you know, I started having to delete those images from my PowerPoint because I was getting them. I had to replace them with new ones. And it was amazing. I, I, I ended up buying a car that I thought would take me far more years to, to purchase because I, I was focused on the image of it. It was become part of my identity. It was amazing how it fueled my actions, not because I felt like I was grinding, but because it was what happens in order to fuel that. And before I knew it, I'm deleting things off of my list and I'm landing these things. And it is so fun to be leaning in with new images for my future. And some people do it with vision boards. I'm not even saying that. I, I literally just have intentional sets of images that I look at about different parts of my life. And I want you to, I want you to be very specific about that. The, the second thing I want you to do is to align it. There's too many either ors. There, there's too many things like, well, either I could be good at work or good at home. If I'm going to grow this year, I'm going to have to grow. I'm going to have to increase my effort by 20%. That means I'm going to have to sacrifice 20% from home. That's that's not true. Here's another one. Here's a myth. Lots of myths. Uh, time and territory is the number one predictor of success. It's a myth. Okay. Um, you don't have to like just pay your dues and cross your fingers and hope that that will get you there. Those are all myths. There are too many either ors out there, right? You can blend lots of these things. I, I, I want you to realize that you need to feel deserving. And that takes me to the third one. So align those beliefs that you can grow. I can grow instead of grind. I can become instead of uh, just just take things away from other areas of my life. It's super important that you align those beliefs because small beliefs will will be what ultimately support your standards. That takes me to the third one. You got to be deserving. You got to feel like you believe it. Your beliefs will shape your reality. If you don't think that you've worked hard enough, let's let's rethink this. Let's instead think about have I grown enough? Um, there's too many people that say, oh, I, I won last year because we had this big whale hit. And I don't believe there's other whales. Well, you didn't think that whale was going to, you didn't know about that whale last year. And so the reason you had things come your way is because you won it. It's easy. Amber, Amber Dibert said, you know, uh, imposter syndrome shows up most often at times when we're winning. 
Um, and then we start to do the three things she talked about that kind of says, oh, anybody could have done it. Well, that's not true because your competitors didn't. So feel deserving. Your beliefs will shape your reality. Other things are going to pop up. You're going to be in the right place at the right time. You're going to leverage your networks. You're going to be intentional. You're going to make the upgrades, especially I got to pick up the pace and get to the next two because it's going to go too long. But we've got to have beliefs that shape our realities. And that takes me to number four, you better chase it. You do not think your way to success. Yes, you create the mindset. Yes, you change the images of your identity. But ultimately, that desire will fuel how you act. Okay, your beliefs will fuel your values, your values will fuel how you prioritize, your priorities will fuel how you act, and how you act is what will make progress. And so you need to be in chase mode every single day. And I'm going to finish it with that. Upgrade your IMs. What are you chasing? What are you thinking about? Upgrade your pictures. How specific are you? And then what do you do when those negative thoughts come into your mind? Make sure you pluck those weeds, okay? Make sure you have the IMs and the pictures in your place for 2023 and beyond. And that's how you upgrade your app operating system. IMs, pictures, and regular reflection. That takes me to number two. So if the first place we're going to upgrade is upgrade our horsepower, I mean, upgrade our, our, our operating system, the second thing we're going to do is upgrade how we get our horsepower. Now, listen, we each have four-cylinder engines in our sales engine. And the first thing we got to do is say, what kind of fuel are we putting on our engine? One of my IMs and one of my things for my identity is I, I picked a, a car that I thought would take a long time to get because I had a few if-thens. If I've done this, then I'll do this. If I've done this, I ended up buying this car. My mindset coach talked me off a ledge when I was chickening out. It was, it was an expensive one. And it's got a really cool engine. And it sounds awesome. And it's ridiculously fast. I'm very careful what fuel I put into that. Okay. I don't put bad fuel into an elite engine. I put elite fuel into an elite engine because it is a supercharged elite engine. And so the first thing we want to do is make sure we're not putting regular gas in. We want to make sure we're putting rocket fuel, not even premium fuel, rocket fuel. And the way we do that is we get people in chase mode. Working and grinding is different than chasing. One of my favorite experiences last year is I took my family to the Bahamas. We went to a place called the Atlantis Resort. Uh, it, it's got a whole bunch of, of, of hotels in it. Um, it's got an, a, one of the coolest water parks on site I've ever seen. Um, it, it's got beautiful beaches. It was an amazing experience for my, my children and myself. One of the things they had there was a... Uh, a water slide that was a race course it goes almost straight up and down it has a couple cool things and it has a digital timer where it records your times and my sons wanted to beat me and uh, that led to some interesting dynamics and as my oldest son Baylor was trying to beat me we had my time down to 4.5 seconds and he said I'm gonna beat dad so no longer was it just we're doing this and moving along it like stopped him in his tracks I gotta beat dad my chase was I'm gonna beat dad and one of the things he did was he first did the grind, and he didn't get any better by just going down the slide over and over. Grinding did not get him better. Number two, he went to this slide, and after grinding didn't get him better, he pulled out his phone. He did a Google search on how do you go fast on the Challenger slide at Atlantis Resort, and he found a number of, of tricks. So he, he tried those things, got a little faster, came and told me that he beat me. Uh, so then I got after it. I beat him again. And, um, he did what I thought was really smart. He got a coach and you may say, who's the water slide coach. And it was the lifeguards that worked there. He asked him, what's a fast time, which I thought was a really insightful, uh, question because now you're getting enrollment. 
what's a fast time? And they said, sometimes, every now and then, we'll get a guest who can get down the slide faster than four seconds. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes. And he's like, wow, four seconds. Like he started at 4.8. We got down to 4.6 and then 4.5. And now he's like, how do you get to sub four seconds? And they started telling him what to do. You know, you get your body covered with water before you start. We don't want you to start sitting down. We want you to start standing like a sprinter and throw yourself out. Yes, we know that the slide goes straight up and down, but don't worry, it'll catch you. When you go over this little bump, we want you to dolphin kick and catch some air again. When you get down to the bottom, I want to make sure that your toes are pointed so your toes break the laser at the end, not your heels. And he came and found me. He's like, Dad, I broke four seconds. And I said, BS, do you have a video? He goes, I don't need a video, Dad, because I can do it whenever I want. And that got my attention. I said, let's go. And I went back and I took a video of it. And he went against my son-in-law. And Baylor got 3.99 seconds. And my son-in-law got 4.4 seconds. And he had a crowd around him. Everybody wanted to see how do you hit break the four-second slide. The reason I tell the story is he was chasing. He was not grinding. And when he chased, everything changed. Passion changed. Creativity changed. Effort changed. Insight changed. Process changed. Patience changed. Persistence changed. Enthusiasm changed. Mindset changed. And ultimately, the outcome changed. So I want you to make sure that you are having an enrollment conversation with every member of your team, that you've built an environment for your team where they're used to having conversations around what are we chasing? It's not, are we grinding hard enough? Screw that. Screw the activity management. That's micromanagement. But when you're chasing, you're allowed to be micro aware. Okay, I got to start like a sprinter, like on the slide and jump out rather than sit and hope that I start fast enough, right? Micro awareness of the small things that when they added up, they got there. So that's job one. Make sure you are chasing. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. The three ways that you chase first, you got, they got to, they got to choose it. You can't choose it for them. And not only do you not need to know what it is, but you got to know why it matters. Okay. Why does this matter? Why are you chasing it? And then what do you make possible what makes it possible and that's when you get into the visualization you want to see those pictures of you doing those things you want to have clarity in how you measure it so there's no doubt and now metrics have just changed in their importance then you got to plan it make sure you're talking about a plan you do not want it to be best kept secret okay schedule it have a plan where you're going to have accountability and empowerment and at the end you chase it you got to act you got to chase every single day you got to score it you got to have reflection daily and weekly and you got to make sure that we are like really dialed into chasing these things. So that's the first thing is make sure you're in chase mode because don't forget, talent's a gift, growth is a choice. What you chase and why it matters should only matter to you, okay? Um, now I want to get into the second way we get horsepower. A lot of times I'll go in front of a group and I'll put an equation on the board and I'll say, is this true? For 2022, activities are what yielded results. And I put small a yielded small r. And people will say, yeah, that sounds right. I'll say, so next year we're going to grow by 20%. So I got to have an R that's 20% bigger. They say yes. So I go from lowercase R to capital R. My question is then, does that mean we have to have the A be 20% higher? Is that all we got to do is have an A activities that's proportionately growing by as much as we want the results? The answer is most likely no. And at best, it's a maybe. Okay. At best, it's a maybe. And most likely what it is, is it's going to be a... Um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a um, recipe for burnout. Excuse me, sorry. That's what it most likely is going to be: is a recipe for burnout. 
And so I like the idea of going to the sales equation. If you're not familiar with the sales equation, um, we have a four cylinder engine that runs our sales team. And the best way to think about it is a horse that pulls something. Like a draft horse can pull around 8,000 pounds on average. And I love to ask what to two do if they're harnessed together. And a lot of times people will say, well, eight plus eight is 16,000. And the answer is if they're harnessed together and trained well, there's a compounding effect that makes it that they can pull over 32,000 pounds sometimes, 4X. So I want you to think about this the exact same way. I want you to think about this as, all right, how do we get horsepower in our engine? The only way we can do it is we have to look at those four pistons. Two of the pistons give you pipeline vitality. Two of the pistons give you pipeline efficiency. Here's what the pistons are. The first one is number of opportunities in your pipeline. The second one is the amount of revenue you get per customer. The third one is win rate. And the last one is sales velocity or sales speed. Now, I want you to think about that. Opportunities, revenue per customer, win rate and speed. Everybody has slightly different names for these. Sometimes it might be ACV. Uh, there's all kinds of different numbers for revenue. There's all kinds of different names for opportunities. Uh, I don't care what you're selling. Those are the four competencies, the four pistons. And so now we have to say, I can't add pistons to that engine. I got four cylinders, opportunities, revenue per customer, or average deal size, or whatever, win rate and speed. How do I move past looking at activities and treat those pistons as competencies? So that's another important upgrade, upgrade from activities to competencies. So there are some coaching tools out there that are about counting activities. I would tell you to minimize those. That's what I would tell you. It's less about counting activities. It's more about generating and growing competencies. And so here's what the sales equation is. Growth in opportunities per customer, I'm sorry, growth in number of opportunities multiplied by growth in revenue per customer multiplied by growth in win rate divided by growth or improvement and how long it takes to get done. So what that, mean, what that means is you look at the growth. And so let's make this the year of 10%. I could say I want to get 10% more opportunities. And if I have 10 deals in my pipeline at any given time, that means I got to add 10%. That means I want 11 good deals in my pipeline at any given time. That's what 10% growth would be. That shouldn't be scary. When I throw that up, people nod their head and say, okay, I can do that. I can do the same thing with revenue per customer. Let's pretend your your average concept, your, your ACV or your average deal size or your uh, your total customer value, whatever that metric is. Maybe it's a profitability one. I, I really don't care. Let's pretend it's $1,000 per customer because I like to use round numbers. If I want to grow that by 10%, we got to add 100 bucks. Can I do that by length of term? Can I do that by more users? Can I do that by solving more problems? Can I maybe do that by holding true to my pricing? Um, there's lots of ways I can do that. The answer is, yeah, I can do that. Okay. I could do the same thing with win rate, and I can do the same thing with speed. I can do win rate by by changing the, the uh, experience and, and creating engagement quicker. And on speed, I can do it with how I follow up. I can do it by how I create commitment, okay? And so I would challenge you to upgrade from activities to competencies. And I put those four on the board. And sometimes I'm doing full day workshops where we start workshopping these four pistons and we start gaining insights on how we turn them into a, uh, a competency. Opportunities is probably the only one I'll spend time on in this because you can do it with every one, but it's fun. I'll, I'll talk about in opportunities instead of just making calls or doing emails. 
Let's search for triggers. What does it mean to do trigger prospecting? Another fun one for me is FBI most wanted list is totally different than target account list. You know, the history of the FBI most wanted started in March of 1950. They put the FBI most wanted list together because they couldn't catch the other bad guys. And guys that were uncatchable, the worst of the bad guys that they could not catch, 490 of the 524 have been caught. 524 have made the list, 490 have been caught. It's a 94% win rate from uncatchable to caught nine times out of 10. Go do some homework on the what it means to have the FBI most wanted list in sales. It's totally different than a target account list. There are very specific reasons why the FBI wins those pursuits. And, um, and, and so I, I think that you could do it. another one is have a referral system instead of just a prospecting system. Those are three really great ways to get 10% better. And if you got 10% better in all of these opportunities, revenue per customer, win rate and speed, do the math. 1.1 times 1.1 times 1.1 divided by 0.9. I want you to do that. If you go 1.1 times 1.1 times 1.1 divided by 0.9, that means you're doing 10% more opportunities for 10% more average customer revenue per customer times 10% more wins times 10, divided by 10% faster. You'll get a number that's 1.48. What that means, you guys, ladies and gentlemen, you will grow by 48% with no additional headcount. So I want you to look at those pistons of opportunities and look at the, like the three I gave you are good places to start. Look at revenue per customer. Solve more problems. Can you find prioritized problems? I think this is the year of upgrading. We've upgraded past products to problems. Now we have to upgrade past problems to priorities. If you don't have a system that helps you connect to priorities quickly, that's something I would advise you doing. Teaching the members of your team to connect to priorities is a massive difference maker, okay? You can do the same thing on win rate. You can look for, you, you can do much better storytelling. I think storytelling is one of the key ways that changes win rates because it transports people into the future with you. Using verifiers where you are, you're forecasting based on what people do. And so, you know, if you say, here's the stage and this is the mission of the stage, what's the physical thing that a customer has to do? It's way different than an exit criteria because your reps will do exit criteria till the cows come home. A verifier is something that a customer does. Start looking to how do I engage customers to, to do predictable things? How can I engineer those? And then how do I use follow-up systems like summary emails the right way, okay? Uh, th there's, there's a lot of things, but look at those things and use those to create horsepower. Those are the two ways. Upgrade the, the fuel so you're chasing. And then the second one is upgrade how you get horsepower out of every single piston and move from activity management to competencies. Build competencies in 2023. Down to my last two, okay? I want you to upgrade your experiences. And I'm gonna make this one really simple. The most important thing that you can do this year from an experience perspective is create I get you moments. You want to finish every interaction with a customer, with your customer think, saying, I think you get me. You also want to finish every interaction with your reps where your reps say, wow, he gets me you know, or she gets me. I'm speaking for myself. Rob gets me. Okay. You got to create a get you moments. I want you to think about that. I get you. I want you to upgrade from I got you. I got your back. I want you to upgrade from that. That's not good enough anymore. I get you. That's why the chase is so important. You got to create I get you conversations with your 2023 prospects. You got to create I get you conversations with your 2023 customers. To do that, they've got to have moments where they feel seen, heard, and understood. Okay? Period. 
One of the important things is going to be storytelling. You've got to transform the sales experience. You've got to transform the customer experience. They've got to be relatable. I've had some great stuff on storytelling from Don Yeager and very recently from Ravi. Okay, uh, Go listen to those again. My thing that I would add to what they've said is stories got to be relatable. Two of my favorite ways to do it, I like to use things like, as I listen to you, I'm reminded of. Or your situation makes me think about. And then you tell these stories where you have stories that are in the story bank. As a sales leader, if you don't have a 2023 story bank for your reps, and if you don't have a 2023 story bank that your reps can use for your customer, make that a priority. Because there's such a killer way to create I get you moments. Go back and listen to Don Yeager. He has a cool storytelling framework. Go back and listen to Ravi. In the show notes, I have a lot of links to how he can help you. He's got free resources that help you with your storytelling. I'm telling you, people that are upgrading their storytelling are creating better experiences. They don't feel manipulated. They feel heard. They feel seen. They feel understood. Okay, I'm going to leave that at that. I'm going to get to the fourth one. I want you to upgrade how you prioritize. First place, upgrade your operating system. I can't emphasize that enough. If that's all you do, you'll have a really good year. Then I want you to upgrade how you get horsepower. Why? Because you have an operating system. We have to have have an improvement approach. We can't have a more effort approach. Okay, so that's why you got to upgrade past activities and get into competencies. Then you want to upgrade the experiences. You don't want the experiences to be, trust me, I know what I'm doing. You don't want it to be, we have the greatest product. We have the greatest, whatever. I want it to be stories, people that were like you, that you relate to that make, makes them have reason to believe that you get them and that if they stick with you, you'll get them places that they want to go. And then that takes me to the last one. I want you to upgrade how you prioritize. Okay. We have two hats that we wear. We have a captain's hat and we have a firefighter's hat. And we often wear, especially as late sales leaders, the firefighter's hat. And I want you to think about that movie, Captain Phillips, where Tom Hanks is a boat captain and some Somalian pirates come and take over the boat. It's a true story. And they're looking, who's the captain? And Tom Hanks steps forward and says, I'm the captain. And there's a line where the guy says, the pirate says, I am the captain now. And um, I want you to have an attitude of, I am the captain now, not because you're hijacking anything, but because you put your hat, your captain's hat on. Listen, no disrespect to the firefighters, but I don't want you to be a firefighting sales leader. I want you to be a captain that's driving a boat to a predictable place that people are excited about. I want the members of your team to feel like their efforts are taking them to a predictable place that they're excited about. I don't want them to put their firefighters hat and hope that they can get the fire, the flames out before the people die inside. Okay. And so I want you to think about the things that matter. I want you to think about the things you can control. And then I want you to focus on those. I got a couple of places that I would emphasize. Okay. Number one is going to be around how you prioritize. Okay. And, and, and so it starts with what's your role. I've talked a lot about the four levers that drive performance. It's the aptitude of the people you hire. It's their level of motivation. Um, it's the level of skills and it's what they think their role is. And I love to workshop this and ask people what's most important, hire better people for attitude, uh, have more motivated people. So they do whatever it takes to win, uh, train and get better skills. So we up level what they do. So, so they can are capable of more or, or clarity on role. So we have a uh, unified focus. All are important. You got to have all four if you want sustained success. Roles the one that will give you the fastest bump. Here's why. 
what you think your job is will define what a high and low value activity is. So I want to take you into the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. Most people don't know what I talk about when I say Pareto. It's the 80-20 rule, and then most people do know. What it means is 80% of your results come from 20% of the things that fuel it. Um, it goes back to the 1600s with a economist named Vilfredo Pareto, and he was a scientist, economist. He was doing a study at the time on the wealth of his country, Italy. He's also a gardener. He loved to garden, and he saw in his garden 20% of his pea pods were producing 80% of his peas, and he called these super producers, and it was interesting to him. Like, why did they do so well when everybody else did so average? And he started to really research that. His mind thinks in equations much differently than mine. And he started to apply it to the work he was doing around wealth. And what he found was 20% of the people in Italy owned 80% of the land. And he said, man, I wonder where else it goes. He started studying the other countries. He started with one of the superpowers of the time, the UK, Great Britain. And he found 30% of the people in Great Britain made 70% of the income. And the more he studied it, the more infinite the application became. There are super producers and then there are average producers. And these super producers, they use resources differently and they get results in ways that others don't. I'm a huge sports fan. What we found is it even applies to sports. 20% uh, of the NBA franchises have won 75% of the championships. For a guy that lives in Salt Lake City that cheers for the Utah Jazz, that sucks because we're one of the ones that never won it. In fact, the top two uh, franchises, the Lakers and the Celtics, have won over 55% of the titles. So this remarkably consistent trend has been studied thousands of times since Vilfredo Pareto. It's been restudied and restudied and restudied. And what's true is a small number of people get a majority of the rewards, 20% of people, 80% of the rewards, but also 20, a majority of your inputs give you a majority of the outputs, meaning like 20% of your customers probably give you 80% of your results. But from a use of time and activities perspective, 20% of your activities are going to also give you 80% of your success. So sales leaders, it's important for us to be aware of our role. I think our role is threefold. Role one, development, to develop people. That's by far number one. Role two, environment. We must create an environment where every motivated team member can succeed, not just succeed, not just survive, but thrive. And third, accomplishment. We must use the things we have now to win with what we've got. So I think that's important. Development, accomplishment, I'm sorry, development, environment, accomplishment. I think in that order, I want you to ask yourself as a leader, what are my 80-20 activities? What are the three, maybe four activities that will help me with development of people? Might be coaching, for example, right? Might be relationship development. Might be team building, okay? Now let's go to environment. What are the two or three things that will help you get you 80% of your results with building an environment where every motivated person can thrive? Where you're a gardener, where you have... Any type of rep that, that's motivated that you plug in, you, you can have them win no matter how diverse they are. That accomplishment, how can you be that strategist that will take who you have and what you have and help them win with what they got? That's massively important because 20% of your efforts are giving you 80% of your results. And what it means is 80% of the stuff we do as leaders are not giving us that big of a lift. By the way, Thinking of the 80-20 activities will help you personally. It'll help you with your teammates. It'll help you with your customers. It's going to help you in all parts. So that means there's three ways you can upgrade your priorities to become a super producer. Not only be a super producer as a leader and be elite, but you can create super producers as reps and have them be elite. And it starts with awareness. I want you to prioritize your awareness. What are those three, maybe four things per role? Okay? Start with the ones I gave you. That's a good place to start. Second is prioritization. 
How do I make sure those show up at least 20% of my time? And could I make it 25 or 30 or 40 or 50% of my time? Okay. Can I prioritize it and maximize the attention that it gets? And then the last, how do I make sure that those things remain the super producing activities? The answer is it's greatness. Awareness first, prioritization second, greatness third. Keep upgrading those areas. Don't ever stop. Get so good at those that you're elite at those. And that's going to be important because I think that we're going into a year where we're going to see a little bit of economic challenges in certain areas. And the average and rookie sales leaders are going to turn to activity management. They're going to go to top of funnel and say, more calls, more calls, more calls, more calls. Instead of more active and instead of more effort, I'm going to challenge you to become like one of my restaurants in Salt Lake that I love. I want you to become not more active, not more effort. I want you to become more better. Mo better, okay? Mo better. That means you're going to look at metrics a little different. You're going to prioritize not just your activities, but you're going to prioritize growth and improvement over effort. Get more bang for the buck. If you can get one or two more hits out of every 10 activities, that's what you should be looking at. If you have a rhythm, an operating rhythm where people are working hard, don't ask them to work harder. Ask them to work with you and let's get better. And then I would apply consistency to it. If there's one thing that would be the hallmark of your success this year, it's those upgrades applied consistently, consistency. Listen, I hope last year was a really great year for you. I hope that you accomplished great things as you did the things that led to mindsets, skill sets, and ultimately performance. I hope that you are ready to have an encore performance. And if you think about music, I, I love music. I love concerts. I go to concerts every time I can. Um, the songs that someone plays in the in the encore are usually the songs you are wishing they would play the whole way through the, the show. Um, I, I think of a couple of my favorite bands, U2 and Coldplay. It's not unusual that they save like my favorite one, two, or three songs. And I'm I used to get nervous that they didn't show up in the show because I was like frustrated that I wasn't going to see it. But when the con when the encore came, those songs come every time. So my advice to you and my challenge to you as sales leaders, make 2023 your encore performance off a killer year of last year. Make those upgrades where you play the songs that people will remember for the rest of their lives. I believe it's our job as sales leaders to create life-changing years for the people we're fortunate enough to lead. We're going to do that this year not by pushing the more button. The more button is going to be pushed by the company. We're going to push the how button. We're going to upgrade. I want to challenge you to upgrade the operating system and choose growth over grind. I want to challenge you to upgrade the horsepower and choose micro-awareness over micromanagement. I want to challenge you to upgrade your, exp your experience and create those story banks and create I get you moments instead of I got you moments. And finally, upgrade your priorities and choose a cadence that leads to predictable success and keep it there. Keep that consistency so it's a song that you can be excited about. It's a song you can dance to. Your head starts bobbing. My, my head is bobbing as I'm saying this to you right now. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Many of you that are listening have been longtime Sales Leadership Podcast listeners that have listened to every single episode. I love your messages. Keep those DMs coming. Keep those suggestions for other guests coming. I have a killer year lined up for you. Uh, next week, Week's guest is one you will not want to miss. The ones coming after that are intentionally selected. We are going to keep bringing stuff to you that will make a difference in your leadership journey. And, and I want to finish with this. To the 50,000 listeners that will listen now every single week, thank you. 
I salute you and your efforts and your commitment to changing lives of those you lead. Let's make sure that we continue to raise our game every single day because our profession is the one that might be the least developed, but I think it's most important. Thank you so much for what you've done. I wish you a terrific year. I wish you a terrific week. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.